This is The CW Spiral, a podcast run by three survivors of the CW's colon in 2022. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden, bringing you history about the network and the WB, the latest news and in-depth sportable discussions of the best and messiest shows to ever grace the small screen. Okay, guys, it is our last pod of the year. We made we- out. Yes, we made it. So we did not make it with us. <laughs> he was not able to come to this hot episode, but he is here in spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe some of his hot takes are our hot takes as well. Oh, so, yes. We will be letting his voice manifest through us. <laughs> yes. But first, we do have news to share. It's the mid-season schedule. She is not popping, but she's here. We have dates for... well. It's going to start in December. Uh, so on Saturday, December 30th, Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl is going to be airing. That's a college sports thing. If you like college football, enjoy. Uh, and then it's also going to start the I Am film series. That's like, I don't know if you have to do with numbers, but earlier on in 2023, CW had announced that they were going to be showing I Am films, which are about uh important figures in pop culture and political figures as well there'll be ones airing for Burt Reynolds Chris Farley and Martin Luther King Jr those will start airing in December and then through January the only thing that we are actually super excited for on this schedule is wild cards all the way in January 17th at 8 p.m that's the Wednesday and then if you like Family Law Family Law season three is premiering at nine that day as well they're the two things I'm excited for. I haven't watched Family Law since the pilot, but, you know, I'm rooting for that little show that could. It's been doing so well in season two, so I hope it continues to do well in season three. But we all know the main event of this schedule is wild cards that we cannot wait for. it. Yes. Everything else is the the shows that are unscripted are the comedies. So mm-hmm. Son of a Critch will have new episodes starting Thursday, January 11th, and there'll be uh, the season three premiere of Children Ruin Everything as well. Son of a Critch comes on at 8, and Children Ruin Everything comes on at 9.30. Then on Friday, January 12th, Penn and Teller Fool Us, Masters of Illusion, and World's Funniest Animals will have new episodes. And then Leakness. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> so sorry, CW, but it's true. Coming um, Tuesday, February 20th is Crime Nation. That's the series that's uh, unscripted. It's basically the answer to 2020, 48 hours, 60 minutes. CW is going in that direction for some of its programming. We will not be seated. We will not be present. But if you enjoy that programming, Crime Nation premieres Tuesday, February 20th. Mm-hmm. Hope you enjoy it. We're rooting for you from afar. Right, you know, gotta support the network in some way, yeah. even in its era in which we're struggling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, as you'll note, though, there are no dates for All American, All American Homecoming, Superman and Lois, Superman and Lois, Superman and Lois, uh, or Walker yet. We're still waiting. Yeah, unfortunately. Holding that hope. Holding that hope. The spring can't come quick enough. It can't really. I'm hoping though that like maybe. They'll say something in time for Christmas or they'll say something in time for January. Because we also don't know when Joan is supposed to be coming or mm-hmm. the librarian's next chapter. We're out here in, or sight unseen, actually. Mm, very true. I mean, when you say it like that, they do have a lot of exciting stuff coming up. So I feel like 
we're kind of just waiting on it. I we've heard head or tail of most of these shows, but there's been a bit, a, a wee bit of like promo for Joan just because of obviously it wrapping film in and uh, Sophie Turner being involved in that. But it feels like ever since it was announced, things have gone quiet in that end. The librarian show, it does feel like people just stop talking about that. I'm really just excited to have something fantasy-esque back on the CW as well. So really looking forward to hearing more about that. And of course, I believe Superman at Lois starts filming in January. So hopefully we'll hear more about that in the coming days, weeks, months. I'm not going to say a year. We can't, we, it can't be a whole year. <laughs> no, but I really wish, you know, the network would put out something because the other networks are running. Um, every day we're getting an update about a Dick Wolf entertainment show. Either someone's mm-hmm. leaving or someone's coming into the series. Uh, I think potentially the majority of, of CBS's shows are started filming. Like we at least have dates for the ABC shows, even if they're all the way in March. Same with Fox and CW doesn't have anything for their original pre next star series to tell us that we're not finding on like other sites. I want the network to start telling us some things. Mm-hmm. Step up to the mic, CW. We're waiting on some words. Tell us. Yes, please inform us and enlighten <laughs> us about what's to come. Give us something, anything. <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on past the the schedule that's not giving, but, you know, hopes. We have hopes for, for February and March and then April. Um, we are going to end uh, this year talking about things people don't want to admit about the CW. Because there are a lot of positive things that have happened in its 17 years, but people just like to rag on the network. Not that we don't have our own faults. We do. I think if you've listened to this pod enough, since we're on season three, you know exactly what those are in detail. But just in case this is your first episode, um, join us, sit down, you know, grab some tea, grab a snack as we enlighten you about the network and its history, its triumphs and its failures. <laughs> There's a lot of misconceptions about this network. Now, I know we have our own issues with it from time to time, but I feel like anything we would say about it is like, or like informed decisions, informed discussions. A lot of people, there's a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of just mm-hmm. lack of knowledge about the CW. And like, it's been around for a long time and it's been part of some huge movements. So I'm excited to reflect, look back, hopefully have something to look forward to as well. Touch wood, fingers crossed. Um, and just, chat the CW because time to put a spotlight on this network in all the right kinds of ways. Yes. Starting with how it shaped pop culture for like 10 years. Yes. I mean, like all you have to do is look back on the network's history. Look at some of the shows it produced. Look at the like teen drama movement it was involved in. Don't tell me that wasn't a big part of pop culture. Look at the stars it produced who were still parts of pop culture to this day. Like that, what I just said, there hasn't even scratched the surface off it yet. And we've already gotten into some of the nitty gritty because let's be honest, this network produced some iconic things and especially in its early years. It did. I, um, the 10 years I was referring to was the Arrowverse. But even before that, mm-hmm. we have the likes of Gossip Girl and the Vampire Diaries. And yes, there were WB transplants that really mm-hmm. helped like stake the ground for the CW in Smallville. Technically Supernatural too, because they ran oh, one yeah. season on WB, right? I believe that's right. I think season two onwards from CW, yep. And then Gilmore Girls finished out its run on CW. Yes. Yes, dead. Yes. One season, yep. I think. One or two. 
but like it's just there's so much iconic television that actually ran on CW that people reference all the time and yet seem to not connect the legacy to the CW. Uh, I think the most egregious is the Arrowverse, though, in mm-hmm. terms of the way people have seemed to have forgotten, at least in this next star era where every like the entertainment sites are running with news or like sports side is referencing things that happened like 20 years ago. <laughs> and it just doesn't, um, as if they don't know about Flash and Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman, you know, and I know that they do, not just because they're running on Netflix, but because back when print magazines, you know, were a thing for the entertainment industry, uh, like they were on the covers of like Entertainment Weekly, like all the time, like every summer. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. That's the that's the thing, though. That's the thing. Yes, network television ratings have gone down over the last little while even five years, 10 years. But the Arrowverse shows, for example, were among some of the most popular shows in the world. They were among some of the most popular shows in the US. Um, Everybody knew this little superhero television world. Even if you didn't know The Flash was directly tied to the Arrowverse or that Supergirl was directly tied to the Arrowverse, everybody knew about these shows. Um, And they had such quite the visibility out there. So I think for a network like the CW that was so known as a brand in its since its inception, over this last decade, like you mentioned, it has its name hasn't been as visible with those shows because a lot of people didn't realize that there were superhero shows on the CW. They just knew off these shows, and we'll definitely get into that. But how CW shows kind of became phenomenons without even ever being able to bring the CW tag with them, but like. It's been changing pop culture for so much longer than people give it credit for. Yeah, they all know that it had a big impact on its teen on the teen drama uh, movement, thanks to some of the stuff it brought over from the WB and some of the stuff it created itself. But like, the Flash changed the game for the network. Technically, Arrow changed the game first, and the Flash took it to a whole new level. All these superhero shows. And like, I constantly go down this lane of thought on this podcast. So apologies if you've listened to every episode and have to hear me go back over this again. But like, we are in such a beautiful era era for superhero TV right now, for superheroes in general. Five years ago, it was probably kind of at its peak. People are starting to wonder if it's going the other way now. But irrespective of all of that, we are in such a wonderful era for superheroes. To be a comic book fan in this era, it's just wonderful. And like, the CW is largely responsible for that impact on TV. Yes, the Marvel movies have been doing this since 2008. DC have been doing it with standalone movies since 1989 or 1978, if you want to go back to Superman the movie. But as far as television goes, this whole renaissance all started with Arrow in 2012, and the CW just went from strength to strength to strength to strength to strength with all these spinoffs at new shows. So yeah, I know more that some of the more recent ones like Black Lightning and Batwoman don't necessarily get the credit they deserve, but you ain't telling me that you didn't hear of The Flash in 2015 or see those big Supergirl billboards on CBS in 2015. Um, this show, this network, and I know Supergirl started on CBS, but like this network changed the game. It allowed shows like Supergirl to start on CBS. It allowed shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter to start on ABC. It, it changed the game for superheroes. And that's shifting pop culture as it was because superheroes are such a large part of our pop culture now. But like, you, all you have to do is like, look at the success of Loki season two on Disney Plus. Look at all the Marvel shows coming out next year. I'm not sure any of this would have been possible if it wasn't for the CW, if it wasn't for the Arrowverse. And yes, it's changed superhero. Yes, it's or superhero TV. Yes, it's changed pop culture. But 
the CW itself often gets forgotten about in the way that it didn't when it was producing all these teen dramas. And I kind of don't think that's fair because if you saw a poster for a show like Gossip Girl or you saw a poster for a show like 90210 back in the day, someone would look and look at that and go, oh yeah, that's a CW show. Whereas all this, this wave of superhero shows, someone might look at that and just go, oh, look, it's a DC, DC show or oh, look, it's a Warner Brothers show. CW didn't know if it was to get the credit for it. And honestly, it really, really deserved it because it greenlit these shows and opened the doors so that more could follow. Uh, and that's the thing that I feel is getting overlooked as we move further and further away from like the beginning, not hysteria, but like mania over the superheroes being on the CW, especially uh, because because of the pandemic, you know, Comic-Con hasn't been what it what everyone knew it to be. But I remember it was an event anytime a CW show was coming to, was going to have their own panel on at, at Comic-Con. Like, I don't care whether you were a superhero show, you were Riverdale, you were the Vampire Diary Squad, you were the 100. Like, they, people flocked to these panels. Like, that's just, it was an internet sensation. There were articles flying here, there, and everywhere that if you were in fandom, you were trying to keep up with. That you were also trying to keep up with all the videos from, say, when Entertainment Tonight, I believe, or Entertainment Today, whichever, E.T., <laughs> was <Yeah>. doing the <laughs> interview um, with the cast for the CW shows. Like you were always trying to figure out when that video was going to drop so that you could see what they had to say about the new season. You could watch the cast be friendly and funny with one another. I, I don't like this era that we're in where people have just seen, to, because they moved on, that that means that the network was just never good and never had anything worth watching. It's like, how can that be true when people would be clamoring for press credentials to get to these panels. Listen, I remember those first few seasons of the Arrowverse shows. Everyone was waiting on the Comic-Con sizzle reels. It was just like, if you weren't at the event, you were sitting online waiting to see the, the flash drop at season two trailer or Arrow drop at season five trailer. You were ready for them. The buzz that these shows had. The funny thing is, in today's day and age, it feels like ever since Arrow ended, there's been kind of like a, a muted kind of like, laugh about the Arrowverse and like oh, why are those shows still on because of course we're go we've moved into the wave of big budget superhero shows done by movie companies instead of television productions um so some of the earlier ones get a little bit laughed at which is completely un unfair and wrong um the fashion his last few years became constantly went viral for some of its cgi for some of, oh i can't believe that show's still on or oh why is this show even on the air let me tell you, if you were part of that fandom or you were even remotely interested in superheroes in 2015 and 2016, everybody was tuning in to see those trailers just as much as everybody was tuning in to see the Marvel trailers or the DC movie trailers because these shows were such a unique entity in their time they were so un unusual to have like superheroes on tv and they made far better use of the budgets back then and that they didn't do things they couldn't do so everything looked great everything was quality television um and it was just oh, what a movement to be a part of. And I would have happily switched from watching the Marvel trailer as soon as that ended, popping on over to the CW panel to see the Flash trailer, because that's just how much of a grip it had the world in. Look, I grew up watching some of the classic superhero TV shows. Like I know in 1966, there was the Batman TV show that was uh, such a phenomenon. In the 1970s, the Wonder Woman series was such a phenomenon. In the 1990s, we had the short-lived Flash show, which I think even though it was it did very well for CBS, its budget was too big, so it couldn't go on past one season. To see the slow movement towards superheroes uh, debuting on television, 
to finally seeing a network be able to produce six or seven superhero shows in the same TV season. It's just incredible. And the fact that the CW finally managed to make the superhero era work, because when Batman was on, other networks tried superhero shows and they'd last maybe 12 episodes and never get on. When Wonder Woman was on, another network would try another and we would try to do another superhero. And again, it would last maybe two seasons and never go beyond that. Whereas the CW successfully made superheroes work on TV. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., for example, it, it was a fight to get it renewed every season because the ratings were dropping. Agent Carter never went on beyond season two because as good as it was, its budget was expensive being a period piece and its ratings were dropping. So the, the reason, this, the thing that puts the CW in a class of its own is the fact, obviously, it was owned by Warner Brothers and CBS, so it had all that money to back it up. And those shows did well globally anyway, so it didn't matter if they didn't do well on the network. So it could commission these and it commissioned them and then it commissioned them and then it commissioned them and it managed to turn into an arsenal of superhero shows. And that's what, it, that's what we, when we said earlier on about the pop culture reference that it kind of gets missed, its reputation was as a superhero network in the last decade. And it kind of felt like almost that if you weren't in the fandom, you didn't know that, which is a shame because this network kind of like Madonna, it evolved with the times. It constant, it had a new look, it had a new uh, approach to things and, every person who evolves maybe has a not so good era and maybe that's what it feels like we're in now but who knows maybe next star will find its vogue era for madonna so to speak and bring it back and it's a journey and i just feel like i don't want as we move into a new era or as the fans leave the cw and the sports people enter the cw and then look back on its history that era of superheroes to get forgotten about because the cw absolutely changed the game with that era those shows, what what a, what a time to be alive when it was being the part of those fandoms in the early years. The fact that it ended its run with like five to six on the year and now we're having superhero shows on every major streaming service. Wouldn't have been possible without the CW making it work first. It found a niche and it expanded on it and somewhere along the line, the rest of the world and the other networks decided to do the same. That is shifting pop culture. It is and it's groundbreaking. The CW mm -hmm. truly is, I think, is one of those networks that allowed specifically teens at first, you know, to have programming that felt like it spoke to them because we were the teens watching at the time. Yep. Um, and that allowed you to go from like, I graduated from Disney, like I'm watching things on the end, but is there another network that I can tune into you? And the CW was like right there. I think one of the things that it gets looked down on for now is because of the catering to young adults, which is interesting considering the fact that a lot of the people who are looking down right now were the young adults watching the channel. So why would you be a poo-pooing <laughs> a network that you had once enjoyed for, simply because you've moved on, but they haven't moved on from that demographic. But to be fair, they did. That's the thing. I'm not like, yes, there were teen dramas still on the CW, but they were because of the superhero shows, they were actually being outmatched by programming for young adults. Like the superheroes had jobs. They had graduated. I think Barry has a master's degree mm -hmm. or a PhD. Like uh, Oliver owns a multi-billion dollar company. Like I, we all have staple income households to run like they have grown adult things to do so whenever someone's like oh but it was like the network for teens I'm like Barry's in there talking about quantum mechanics and physics 
<laughs> now that a team cannot do that, but generally the super genius teams are not on the CW in lead roles at the time mm-hmm. that he was coming out and being like the best that he could be. Um, <laughs> Indeed. It's just it's just strange that 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 has seemed to have carried it so much to the point that people have even referred to some CW shows as teen dramas when they are full of grown adults, 28 year olds. Look at if you was one in Mexico. That still blows my mind. Isn't it's a teen drama? How so? He is a deputy sheriff. <laughs> I mean, this is spelled it. He's brain. It's just so weird. I don't get it. I don't see how yeah, your branding could be so strong that even when someone reads that it is about a grown person, they're like, mm, it must be for teenagers. It has to be for the 16-year-olds. I know, I know. Like Reed said last week, they they removed the New Mexico from the name. They're thinking of the original Roswell. Um, because like that was one of the it teen drama shows back in the day. Um, and this, you know what? The CW tried something different with it and made the characters like more mature and grew up. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Like Cara, Cara and Supergirl had one of the best apartments I have ever seen on television. Beautiful. It is incredible. God, I would love to live in that place. Um, I'm so glad when they moved over to the CW from CBS, they were able to take that apartment with them because mwah, chef's kiss. Ain't no teenager having that apartment. You know what I no. mean? <laughs> she, she had to hold down that job as Cat Grant's secretary before turning into an excellent reporter. Um, and the same, like you said, the same could be said for Barry. Um, Ryan Wilder as well, total adult. Kate Kane, we had... This is the thing. The CW's audience evolved over time. And I remember reading an article about it the CW's article was generally uh, teenagers when it obviously when it started because of teen dramas. It was also, I think, sh- geared towards more female audiences because of the teen dramas. Um, mm. I think it when it got SmackDown, it saw an increase in male viewership on Friday nights, obviously, because it brought the SmackDown audience with it. But it generally geared was geared towards more uh, young girls, which is great because it made those shows perfectly. I, I think there was a shift when it started doing superhero television and it started attracting uh, young adult males to its network because all the superhero fans, this, this was at the height of the superhero craze. All of them came in and started watching the shows. So again, back to the whole point of how the CW continued to evolve, its audience changed. Some of its audience grew up. I know for a fact, a lot of those teen- young teenagers who were watching the teen drama stuck around for the superhero shows. Then they stuck around for shows like Nancy Drew, which also isn't a teen drama. Um, so the, show, the network just kept evolving throughout its run and its audience did grow up. So it is to undermine people by saying, oh, that's the teen network or whatever. It, it discounts the evolution it underwent and it discounts the audience who's watching it. And it also discounts the teenagers who watch it because there's nothing wrong with having a huge teenage mm-hmm. audience. It turns things into a global phenomenon, just like all the, the bands out there and the pop stars and the actors who have huge teen audiences are some of the biggest actors in the world. The teenage audience can be very effective. They can be very devoted. And the CW, it delivered for them constantly. It made the most of that. It delivered programs for them. And then it evolved and it started doing the same thing for the young adults. I don't, I think our underlining point here is that people don't want to admit that the network grew up, the network evolved, it changed with the times and it did a damn good job of it. It did. And I think there were also so many, many genres that were happening to, uh, Nothing quite popped in the supernatural realm besides Supernatural mm-hmm. and the Vampire Diaries franchise, though the Secret Circle has a special place in their heart. It truly Always. does. Always. But like, there's just something about the way in which the CW has evolved that has kept it fresher than the other 
networks. I mean, I love myself from CBS now. I truly do. But I have always loved the way that the CW has been able to pivot. We went from contemporary teen dramas to paranormal teen dramas to superheroes and still sports wasn't really landing, but All-American did that. And now we have All-American Homecoming as well. So I just feel like when we talk about the CW, we have to, you know, give it its props. Like even when people are like, oh, back in the day, it was great. I was like, no, it was pretty great right up until the next or so. Yeah. Like were things falling offshore, we couldn't talk for like one of our bullet points is DC TV fell off in the later seasons because that's just accurate. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much you love the shows, and this this is not just shade to the flash. They were all sort of hobbling along <laughs> towards the end. But that is simply because of I think there's something that the CW didn't do well, um, is when something was really, really a hit, either didn't know how to let it go. Or we were doing too much. I think we kind of did too much in the superhero TV era as far as the crossovers. Love the crossovers. They got too big. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the um, to the point where the actors were getting stressed out and it was affecting the storylines for the other TV shows. We might as well just go right to DC TV fell off in the later seasons. <laughs> That's the, <laughs> yeah. But because it's just... I think some of that suffering did have to do with the ways in which, you know, you would, your showrunner would plan for the first half of the season. And then they would have to give reason for why certain cast members or characters wouldn't be in an episode because they had to go deal with some type of crisis in a crossover and then come back. And then if one of the other shows or the crossover itself stole your plot for the rest of the season, good luck to you. (laughs) <laughs> indeed i wonder what you're referring to <laughs> um no I, I can't argue with that look uh i love these shows so much but yes i agree with you sometimes maybe some of them went on too long or trying to ride around the crossovers hindered them uh supergirl season five is widely regarded as the worst of the series and it wasn't even that interesting to begin with but halfway through they used the reset of the crisis to start their story again. So the characters who were acting one way in the first half of the season suddenly started acting another way in the second half of the season. Total mess. Um, it was just, it, it didn't know what to do. It couldn't ride around the crisis. And of course, before the crisis, Supergirl was set in Earth 38. After the crisis, Supergirl was set in Earth Prime. They also had a makeup for that as well. Lots of exposition going on. When there's a crossover in place, and obviously the lead of that show then has to appear in all four to five crossover episodes as well, they're going to be exhausted. So there are obviously going to have to be episodes later in the season without them. There are also going to have to be ways to write to explain why certain supporting characters from one show did not make it into the crisis, even though they should have been there looking at you, Arrow season eight and Laura Lance, no no reason for that whatsoever. Um, Because her whole arc was about redeeming herself after the crisis wiped out her earth. And then suddenly on the crisis, she was nowhere to be seen, which obviously made no sense. Um, So I agree with you. Uh, The DC shows kind of, some of them went on too long. And then some of the seasons didn't necessarily make up for that. I know it's easy to harp on The Flash for running for nine seasons and not having that smooth of a run in the final couple of seasons. But then you have a show like Arrow, which completely lost the plot in season four, produced a few, eh, that's all right, seasons, and then finally brought it back by season eight. So it, it's possible when you curtail it, but I just think having multiple seasons of 23 episodes, many crossovers, it can burn the cast and writers out. And 
maybe it would have been maybe maybe its run would have been slightly more successful if some of the shows had ended earlier and they started different ones instead so we could have all just had the multiple runs of like four season shows star girl for example i know that started as a dc universe show with a different writing team every single one of those seasons high quality movies that just told a contained story and moved on to the next one no one looked burnt out the production qualities remained high throughout and it's the same now with superman at lois i know maybe season three slightly suffered from the episode cut but more often than not also an incredibly smooth run and when we look back on it star girl and superman at lois and batwoman started a bit rough but it got there in the end even batwoman are probably going to have had much smoother runs than some of the shows that ran really really long because it never got the chance they never got the chance to go on too long or they never got the chance to burn out a little bit so i know i know exactly what you mean um the dc tv shows were a movement in the early parts but some of the shows kind of dropped the ball as seasons four five and six came along and maybe it would have been better to end them because i know procedurals can go on for 10 and 12 seasons and considering these shows did villain of the week plots that kind of made them procedurals but trying to sustain that with the overall arcs just ultimately worked against them and people eventually tuned out true but also procedurals have their bad seasons too very true they truly do you know fbi still haven't made it through season five and this (laughs) might just be because missy peregrine isn't in the first seven episodes (laughs) and maggie bell's my favorite character (laughs) but so i'm just like I do like when people say, oh, procedurals run for like a long time. I was like, yeah, but let's not pretend like every procedural drama seasons are impeccable because they're not. Nope. <laughs> no, like, so I think, oh, that should be another thing to add onto the list. Um, people hold the CW to higher standards than other TV networks, which is interesting to me, mm-hmm. considering the fact that they already rag on the CW. So how is it held the higher standard than some of the other networks when not to say that they are like everything that's coming out of them is stellar like I don't want to like how do I want to phrase this they too put out hot garbage (laughs) 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 they do like they just like you you either it's been for uh, it's long running so you just accept that the season is not good and you hope that the next season will be or they just cancel it. They're like, I guess the difference with the CWs where they were trying to help people get onto their legs, to get their legs under them. And maybe season one could have been better. But season two, we have you for season two, <laughs> <laughs> is, is what the CW was allowing people to do. And I think that's really good for showrunners who are just starting out, mm-hmm. writing teams that are just um, starting out. They're like, okay, yeah, I could have done a better season. But and maybe we don't have the audience to carry us over, but Mark Pedowitz believes in us, so we will try again. Oh, I miss the Mark Pedowitz era. Um, that 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 stretch there where we had over the last couple of years where just every show constantly got renewed. What like what a what a time to be alive that was. You just you never had to worry about your shows. Like honestly, I know we say this statement a lot, but it nobody was doing it like the CW was. It was just what a what what a fandom to be part of and just knowing your favorite shows were going to come back for another season and they were going to succeed and you're right it is interesting that people hold the network to a higher standard i don't know whether it's because it, it carried over a lot of those wb shows that were the wb didn't get the kind of like sniggers that the cw got it never got the like dragging that the cw got and maybe it was just because a lot of television back then was of a higher standard than broadcast television today as i know with streaming tv is a whole nother argument um 
But you're right. Maybe it's just because its reputation precedes it. But when it was the teen drama network, not enough people took it seriously. When it was the superhero network, a couple of people took it seriously for maybe that first year. And then after that, people stopped taking it seriously. So I don't understand why we need to, like you said, rag on the CW when it's just been doing its thing and doing its thing very, very well for the last two decades. Um, Yeah, ratings were dropping all over the show. Like not just on the CW, on every network ratings were down. But because less people watch the CW... Of course, its ratings were going to be lower, but it wasn't in the least bit worried about it because it had these global sensations on its on its uh, hands. Um, and that's another thing we were going to discuss. And I bring this up on the pod all the time. So again, sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I love some of those US procedurals that are the biggest shows in the US. I really, really do. But outside of the US, a lot of people haven't heard of them shows. And yet, a lot of people outside the US have heard of the CW shows. They might not know their CW shows, but like constantly on the top 10 lists of most popular shows for the last decade, The Flash was on that list. Arrow was on that list. In the last decade, Superman, or in the last five years, Superman and Lois has ended up on that list. I'm pretty sure Supergirl was on that list at one point. People knew these shows existed, even if they didn't know they were CW shows. So it bothers me that we're moving into an era where the CW is more worried about getting viewers on the night. It's more worried about its domestic audience, but I know, understand that's the name of the game with network TV and that's what next star is all about. But like the CW in its heyday was producing huge global sensations. Like I said, everybody knew the flash, everybody knew um, uh, arrow, everybody knows Superman at Lois. And it just so, and everybody knew Gossip Girl, everybody knew the Vampire Diaries. It's thanks to Netflix over here, at least the Vampire Diaries is still in the pop culture conversations after all this time. Um, I know that we have a different era to talk about. It's the more recent one, which of course is the one that produced Riverdale and Dynasty. And again, I know Netflix turned them into global sensations. I remember that some of the Dynasty cast said they got stopped and recognized on the streets of Paris because Netflix, or Netflix made the show such a huge hit in Europe. Uh, in the ways that they never got stopped on the streets of the US or Vancouver because people in the US didn't know them because the show didn't have the same visibility as a CW show in that first season as it did as a first season on Netflix in the rest of the world, as the rest of the series did on Netflix. And the absolute same goes for Riverdale. The cast and crew became every bit as popular as the Stranger Things cast and crew overnight because of the Netflix bump. So... I know that we can play, or that we can thank Netflix for that. I know that we can thank the global networks that show the other, the superhero shows. I know that we can thank people outside of the CW for making these shows hats, but we do need to thank the CW for producing these shows and making them hats because it never gets the credit it deserves for that. The CW has produced some absolute global phenomenons over the years, and let's be honest, a heck of a lot more than a lot of the other TV networks have in recent years. And I feel like people don't give it enough flowers. And that's one of my biggest gripes with this new era because I feel like we're moving away from that. And I hope we don't because I love a CW original becoming a sensation worldwide. I know because the Netflix deal is done. Who's to say that like it won't come back um, within within the next era of some kind of they strike up another deal um, with them for their original series or maybe the CW app or CWTV.com if it's not geolocked becomes be, becomes a destination spot for those who cannot watch on the night but do want to really invest in the the shows because they heard about it through word of mouth or on social media uh, I think also people are so lucky nowadays uh teens if you're listening to this podcast I'm speaking directly to you you don't know the days of mega upload 
you don't know the days of having to crawl the internet looking for a link that hasn't been put, taken down so you can watch your one of your favorite shows that perhaps you don't either because you just don't have the channel because you're um you're out of the states or you missed it and there's nothing to watch it online on like there was no Netflix, there was no Max, there's no Paramount Plus, there's none of that. So you had to go look. Uh, and well, I will say, I guess there are some teams that do know that struggle, depending on what it is. <laughs> we will we will not reveal your tricks of the trade on the podcast. <laughs> but the, like the vast majority, though, of shows that you want to watch, they are easily available on streaming platforms now. And back in the day, they were not. Like the struggle yeah. was real, and that's that speaks though to the popularity and the quality of the television though the television series that we're airing on the CW because if you're going out of your way to look if someone's going out of their way to I don't want to say what it no matter if someone's going out of their way to do the thing that they need to do in order to provide <laughs> the show to, some, <laughs> to somebody else um then that just speaks to how popular it is it speaks to how like people feel that I, I need to watch it the entire internet is talking about it it's not on streaming it's not in my country but someone knows how to get it to us and I will track them down like that speaks that says a lot especially in the t- late 2000s and 2010s yeah it reminds me of that meme I see on the internet all the time and it's like kids today will never know the struggle of when you have to get up to go to the bathroom during a break and your sibling shouts it's back on right right as you're rush, rushing back out and you have to like jump over the couch to get back into your seat those were the days it's so true honestly um te- television was such a thing back then but it's kind of exploded into a phenomenon in the last decade nobody will really understand what it was like to have to watch those shows when they were on or lose them for all eternity heck we know what it's like with tarzan because that show doesn't exist to the worst world anymore um so but yeah that's the thing though television has become such a like franchise over this last 15 years um and like i remember as a teenager people really really liked television back then but it feels like it's turned into such a huge phenomenon now and there's so many ways to watch shows that are global phenomenons but there aren't an awful lot of ways to watch shows that are just specific to one market which is where i think the cw became such a a beloved piece of the puzzle because it was producing global hits that people around the world could watch. Yeah, look, I was speaking from experience. They did not arrive as soon as they should have, but they got here in the end anyway. Um, so it's just, it's frustrating that we're moving into this era now where shows can only be gotten in one market and that mm-hmm. it's, and because the CW isn't as visible as it used to be, a lot of those shows aren't going to get picked up by global networks or shown around the world, unless it is one of those joint productions with the UK or one of those joint productions with Canada. Um, because I think Wild Cards would be a cool, cool show to or in like Australia, it could be hit in other countries, but I don't know if we're living in that era anymore. But I do think that the CW really had a good thing going for it. And I, I, hate, I hate to see the people dragging it constantly when they say that, oh, this show, this network wasn't that, or oh, this network never turned a profit. It was never designed to turn a profit. It was designed to turn a profit for the studios. And that's exactly what the shows did. As a single entity, it wasn't designed to turn a profit. Um, it, the, the CBS and Warner Brothers managed to create some huge, huge hits that 
never would have gotten picked up on another network. Could you have imagined if the Vampire Diaries aired on CBS and it wasn't the hit they wanted to be and it was cancelled no, for one season? It would have been, that's it. And it would never, would, it would have been on that list of, oh, remember what that show could have been. And like, if you look at the Vampire Diaries season Monday where that show ended up and all the mythological stuff it dealt with, imagine robbing the world of that journey. Um, the same with Smallville. Smallville would have been a superhero show, but it was also a teen drama and it never would have worked anywhere other than the WB slash the CW. And look at the global phenomenon it became. It's one of those shows that kind of has stood the test of time. That even now, thanks to the new Superman movie, thanks to Superman at Lois still being on the CW, people are like, remember way back when, when Smallville was on? Because it was a teen drama, but it was also a superhero show. So it kind of walked that line between the two of them. But like, shows like that never would have gotten a look in on another network. And yet the CW took a chance on them and it didn't just take a chance on them. It turned them into huge, huge hits. And I don't think there's another network out there capable of doing that. And unfortunately now with the new CW, I don't think there's a network out there capable of doing that unless it's a streaming service because most of the streaming services are available worldwide. So there is a good chance of shows like that happening. Look at how Netflix managed to turn a USA show like Suits into a global phenomenon in just four weeks. Not that Suits already didn't have a worldwide audience, but... The CW was doing something that before everybody asked at it and it made it work. And it's just so unfortunate that I don't think we're going to see shows like that happen. It will happen occasionally with a streamer, but the CW made it work like two or three times a year and it's bothersome. We won't see that now. I know, especially if we're talking about teen content, the streamers themselves are struggling with how to cater to teenagers with exception to Netflix, but that is because they got on the ground early with mm-hmm. that um but the majority of their shows are contemporary um i feel like the teen shows that are on the more supernatural um tip don't do as well in comparison to the, the contemporary romances the, the slice of life television that they have going on for them so i think it's even it's teen catering to teenagers is a difficult realm it's just really hard uh, I, I remember when vampire academy came out on Peacock and then they canceled it and they had to admit you know we didn't make the inroads that we should have made with teen subscribers before we took on this big uh series that people enjoy and then like "Mm." I I think that it's one of the things that you know needs to be discussed more the ways in which you actually have to start catering first before you decide to do something big or something that, you know, big in the sense that like the budget is huge, but the audience isn't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And I agree with you on that because we always looked back when we started this podcast and we looked back at the CW's era, the big era was when the CW started and it took over from uh, UPN and the WBA, which was such a huge thing back in the day. But it had that familiarity. It had that audience already designed. So it could afford to spend some money on some shows in the way that maybe Peacock shouldn't have been doing with something like Vampire Academy until it had built up that audience. The CW had an established fan base from both the WB and the UPN audiences that it was taken over. It ended up with Gilmore Girls because... It was on the WB. It ended up with Smallville and Supernatural because they were on the WB. It ended up with SmackDown because it was on UPN. So it brought these shows in as the perfect merger and already had that fan base. And it ultimately worked for it. Of course, it needed time to build up its own, but it had an audience to begin with because it brought over the established fan bases. The other CW moment is when it was bought by Nexstar. It's doing the complete opposite in that it's canceling the shows with established fan bases and trying to start new things with no fan bases 
And if you're alienating the audience you've already got, how are you going to build a new one? So I think this is that that that's an unusual full circle moment for it. Original CW worked with the fan base it had. New CW is doing the complete opposite of that. And I think that's why a lot of these shows aren't hitting. Well, now we're working backwards. So like we're trying yeah. to course correct. Like So we have Sullivan's Crossing. Like um, with, his name is Scott Patterson, correct? Yes. And uh, and then Chad Michael Murray as the faces of those to draw people back. Uh, Vanessa Morgan in uh, Wild Cards. You have Daniel Gillies, who's coming for Sight Unseen. Like when we heard those announcements, we were like, now we're doing the things that we mm-hmm. need to do. You need to like court us. Like, I do understand courting the older CW viewers too. <laughs> um, because like the 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 One Tree Hill look, the Gilmore Girls look, that is mm-hmm. for our demographic. Vanessa Morgan is for our demographic too, but also skews a bit younger. Danny, Dan, Danny, Daniel Gillies also is our demographic. They're trying. Like mm-hmm. they're trying to hook us. Um, and I think, you know, it's working for us. It might work for, for other people, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, where Nexstar takes the CW in terms of how many more shows they're going to do that will pull in audiences through known faces. Like Joan is still Sophie Turner. Mm-hmm. So that is also going to pull in people. We're doing, you like this actor, this actress, watch this show on the CW. And I appreciate that, but I wonder how long they can keep doing that. How long can they try to entice us with a familiar face before we're like, okay, we get it. We get the game, but is the show good? Yeah, it almost feels like has the door for an opportunity closed on that. It's not, obviously it hasn't because Sullivan's Crossing was one of the more successful shows. So there is a market for it, but I think it would have been far wiser if they'd done this from the beginning rather than Mm -hmm. overwhelming us with all these random shows that haven't been the hits they wanted it to be. And that let's be honest, most of the fans kind of predicted wouldn't be hits they wanted them to be just because you're trying to appeal to a whole different audience. You can't just come in and got something and start from scratch because then you've lost what you've already got. And that's exactly what started happening here. A few hits, a few maybe unexpected hits here and there, but it hasn't exactly made up for the number of shows they've had to pull, shows they've cancelled. It hasn't exactly smoothed that over, but with Sullivan's Crossing being a step in the right direction, hopefully wild cards will be the same. But you're right, now since the door feels like it's kind of closed on that movement, is it going to look a bit obvious if we start doing it with every show? Notice this person, why don't you tune in for them? Oh, this person used to be on the CW a decade ago, let's get you to tune in for them. It might work for a little while, but I know what you mean. Going to the well one too many times can get boring. And when they already had a perfect opportunity to do that in the first couple of months of the Next Star era and they missed that boat, it might be too late. It might be. 2024 is going to be an interesting year for them. Um, before we end the pod, I kind of want to manifest good things for yeah. the CW since we... You know, we want a podcast about it. We clearly love the network. We spent, I don't know how many, uh, how much of this podcast simply uplifting them and reminding everybody to give them their flowers. So like we are in the next star era. It's not looking hot out here for us, but there are things coming. So I want to manifest wildcards to catch fire for Vanessa. Like it's her vehicle. I really want to see her succeed and for her to be the lead and for um for everyone to just tune in. Yeah, it looks like so much fun. Honestly, I watched the trailer and laughed so much and enjoyed it so much. 
I, I, I'll be there on premiere night and I hope that everyone else will be. And you're right, there's so much interest and stuff coming. Like I did mention earlier on, I love the idea of a fantasy show back on the CW, like the librarians. Um, and I... I, I'm I'm intrigued by Joan because it looks like a, a like a period British drama, I, I, and I know it's going to air on ITV in the UK. So I'm just excited to see what that looks like on the CW because I know they say that's going to be a very like high quality production, almost awards beta. So I'm going to be intrigued to see what that looks like as when especially juxtaposed to the comedies and the procedurals. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like. Of course, it's me. I have to mention. Cannot wait for the final season of Superman at Lois. I wish it wasn't the final season, but I know they're going to go out there and smash it. Um, and I feel like it, if it if it comes in the summer or if it comes at the start at the start of fall next year, or whatever, I will be there. The wait will be worth it because this is Superman at Lois. And I'm also just excited to have shows like All American Homecoming at Walker back on the network because they're what this network's all about. That's home for the CW, and I just can't wait to enjoy. The original CW content back on the network again. Yes, manifesting you know great amazing seasons for all of the returning shows. Um, also some stability for the network. I would really love to be able to look at the TV ratings and not be like, like every time is it going to reach the heights of the other networks? No, we we know what the name of the game is. But would really love to see the ratings stabilize because content people are used to is airing or content for stars for cw stars is airing um it's new like vanessa show or you know joan doing really well manifesting some premiere dates as well um and you know selfishly peace for us yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah that's my favorite thing we've manifested so far <laughs> Like we just have not been completely in, at peace with where the network is, um, and we keep holding on to the hope of what's to come. So hopefully, once we get to what's to come, we feel settled, we feel good, and we are able to return to praising the CW for its present rather for rather than its past. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so a good 2024 for the CW, for us as fans of it, for the for all of the other fans of it. Um, we're, we're heading in the right direction, the, the new CW. It took a while to get there, but hopefully we're starting to head in the right direction. So I, I hope the CW has the happiest of New Year's because I want to see this, this, this network of ours succeed. Yes. Oh, that's such a good way to end. So you guys, <laughs> Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Um, and a happy new year. We hope that the like, last manifestation that you guys have an amazing start to 2024. Yes. Thanks for listening to all of our rants this year. Uh, we promise there'll be more next year. Um, and we just can't wait to uh, get back to doing this. A new year for the CW Spiral and a new year for everybody. I hope it's a happy one for everyone. Yes. All right. We're the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Micah. You'll see you in 2024. You will. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, y'all.